Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Welcome to our Tuesday night Torah class. So you have to forgive me while we're, I'm things are a little hectic today. Um, let's see, we're going to be doing, we're starting a new portion tonight. It's uh, Numbers chapter 13, Shlach Laka, which says, send on your behalf. Um, <clears throat> Let's see. Let me open in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for uh, this group of people that found time in their schedule to come out and study your Torah. And I'd ask that you just bless us with, uh, with new revelation. Um, I know that every time we go through this, every time I go through it, I learn new things. And I become um, more and more in awe of, uh, of your Torah and the way you interact with your people and how much you love us. And I just ask that you'd help us to grow in that area and just bless our discussion tonight. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, so I always like to start with uh, <laughs> last week, kind of review what we did last week. And um, last time we closed with uh, chapter 12. And if you remember, chapter 12 was the one, it was the, the story of Miriam, <laughs> there's the late uh, Dave Shear. Miriam and um, Aaron, and how they decided they were just as good as Moses, and why shouldn't they be able to, uh, to lead the Israelites? What made Moses so special? And we talked about that. That was uh, an interesting thing, an interesting little story. It's not very long. Chapter 12 is pretty short. But the thing that was interesting to me was the fact that God basically just you know, immediately took them and said, this, this, you know, don't do this. This is not the right thing to do. And we talked about it. I don't think we made the connection. Um, does everybody in here know what the term Lashon Hara means? Yes. Okay, what does it mean? You don't. Good. I'm glad you said that. Let's see, where's old microphone man? Hi, John, thank you. I'm the microphone man. Okay. Lisa's going to tell us what Lashon Hara means. Hi. Lashon Hara is like making, putting somebody in a bad light, like an evil tongue is what it really means, a bad tongue. So you don't want to speak against each other. Okay. That's, that's not bad. L certainly Lashon Hara literally means evil tongue. Right. Hara is the right. evil one, right. and Lashan is the tongue. So Lashan Hara is the evil tongue. And what it amounts to is it's typically they use the terms gossiping and backbiting. You know, it's passing, um, unflattering. It's gossip. And I tell you, it happens all the time. You know, people, for whatever reason, they think they're doing themselves or other people a favor by passing on negative things about other people or you know, situations, and it's destructive. 
it's clearly destructive. And um, you can make a fairly strong argument that um, the Torah tends to link Lashon Hara with leprosy. A lot of times when people get leprosy or struck with leprosy, it's related to this. And in this case with uh, Aaron and Miriam, uh, when God, I always say, grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and set them down and told them, you know, Moses is my man, not you guys. What you, you know, I like the, the way he put it in verse 8. He said, uh, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So in other words, he's saying, why, why did you have, you know that I, uh, Moses is special to me. Why weren't you afraid then to speak against him? The speaking against him would be the Lashon Hara. And um, immediately after that, Miriam gets leprosy. And of course, it, things, are, things are okay. Uh, Moses prays for her, and she's cleansed, and she has to go through the seven-day cleansing thing of a leper. But um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that point out because this is probably one of the stronger places where you can link the, the uh, people being stricken with leprosy with the Lashon Harab, with gossip and murmuring. I always like to kind of close or go back at the beginning and talk about what we closed with last time. Are there any other questions about that? Okay. And God has a, we'll come across it yet again here just tonight. So um, might as well get started. Chapter 13. Chapter 13 is a fun chapter. We'll probably spend quite a bit of time on that, that and 14. Um, but it's really, really a, a kind of a turning point in the Israelites uh, life as a nation. So who would like to start by reading part of chapter 13? We can read chapter 13 from the beginning through verse 25. Does somebody want to? Alfonso said he would like to read. At least he, he was scratching his head or something, and I assumed it. Yeah, and he did that on purpose. <laughs> And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe and to Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot. Okay, I think, I think you're in the wrong spot. We're in Numbers chapter 13. <laughs> I caught on pretty quick. <laughs> when we got bright spots and scabs, I thought, that's not quite what I got. <laughs> Oops. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Send one man from each tribe of their fathers, every one a leader among them. And by the command of Yahuwah, Moshe sent them from the wilderness of Paran, all of the men who were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shamuah, son of Zakur, from the tribe of Shimon, Shaphat, son of Hori, from the tribe of Yehuda, Caleb, son of Yehufana, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Yosef, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulon, Gadiel, son of Sodi, from the tribe of Yosef, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, son of Susi, from the tribe of Don, Amiel, son of Gamali, 
from the tribe of Asher, Shether, son of Mikael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nahbi, son of Wapshi, from the tribe of God, Guiel, son of Maki. These are the names of the men whom Moshe sent to spy out the land. And Moshe called Hosea, the son of Nun, Yehoshua. And Moshe sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and sent to them, go up here to the Najib and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like and the people who dwell in it, whether strong or weak, whether few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or evil, whether the cities they inhabit are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, and you shall be strong and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first fruit of grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Sin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. Where am I, what am I reading to? The end of 25, keep going, I'll tell you when. And they went up through the Jeb and came to Hebron and Ahiman, Sheshai and Tamai, the descendants of Enoch were there. Now Hebron had been built seven years before Sa'an in Mitzrayim, and they came to the Wadi Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bore it between two of them on a pole, also of the pomegranates and of the figs. That place was called the Wadi Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down from there, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Okay. That's great. Thank you. You did good on the names. Yeah. Um, I, let's see. To go back and reiterate where they are, they're now at uh, Kadesh Barnea in the desert of Paran. And this was their, uh, pretty much their first stop after leaving Mount Sinai. You remember they, they left Mount Sinai and they were wandering in the desert, traveling in the desert, following the pillar of smoke or the pillar of the cloud, if you will. Uh, and they got complaining about the food, and God got angry with them and said, okay, I'll give you enough meat till it's coming out your nose. Anyway, that's where they were. That's where they've been. And so, according to going back to the beginning of the section here, whose idea was it to send the 12 spies out into the land? But you don't, I don't, I can't read your lips, so let's see. Well, it's funny because some people could say that it was um, Yahweh's, but also it says, send forth if you please and let them spy out the land. So in a way, um, there's been a discussion, there's a lot of midrashes done on this, that um, when, when Yah said, if you please, that... Okay, I don't have if you please. Mine, well, this, mine says, it does say, it says, send forth men if you please, well, and now, let them spy out the land of Canaan. I think it's important to realize that it's your version that says that. Well, it's the Hebrew that says it. Can you actually find that? Yes. Okay. Mine says, Yahweh said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Well, it, it, he asked, he almost, he, he says, if you please. Well, okay. You know, I'm just saying that's the that's Hebrew. What you, well, that's that's what, the Hebrew. I've got an even bigger argument against that, but I'm just trying to point out to the fact that just because your version says that 
doesn't mean it's definitely I'm true. I'm just saying that in the Hebrew, that's the meaning of the words. Okay. So, um, I mean, you can distribute the meaning of the words in the Hebrew. This, this isn't any different than any other Hebrew text. It's verse 1. It's verse 2. Oh, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Yes, he says, if it, he, he prefaces it, he says, if you please. If you please. Okay, fine. I don't want to argue that. I have a okay. bigger point to argue. Okay, good. Okay, so anyway, my point was, whose idea I'm was it? I'm just saying, in a way, it sounds like it's Hashem's, but I'm not sure. because I mean, because I'm just saying there's a lot of midrashes on it. Was God giving Moses permission because Moses wanted to go to the land, or was it because... Because the rabbis have a lot of midrash. Well, I can this. clear it up. But, but, you know, yes, it was hushed, It was Yahweh's idea. But the trouble is, is that it it also says, if you please, like he's giving him a choice. Okay, that's the easy way to go find this is Deuteronomy chapter one. What is the Hebrew word for please? I forgot. Is it like? Uh, Send on your behalf. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. Now read that. Wait, wait, wait. I might have the wrong, might have the wrong one there. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. Did I get the wrong? Oh, I'm in chapter 2. That'll do it. Um, well, verse 19, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19 reads, This is Moses talking to the people while they're laying, I'm sorry, while they're camped out um, at Moab before they cross the Jordan and go in. This is the end of the 40 years. This is what Deuteronomy is, right at the beginning. And Moses says in verse 19, then, as Yahweh our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites though all that through all that vast dreadful desert that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which Yahweh our God is giving us. See, Yahweh your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as Yahweh the God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us bring, and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. And the idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and explored it, taking with them some of the fruit of the land. So that story is different than what we've just read. Mm -hmm. And that's why I picked it. So, so in a way, it goes along with the if you please, because it says, because he says, and I thought it was a grand idea. So I decided to pick 12 people. Who, who's saying I thought it was Moses. Great? Moses, all right. So if I ask you the question, um, whose idea was it to send the 12 spies, what would you say? Well, he said God commanded him. I mean, he said. So he, he said, said it was God's idea. Yeah, that's what your he, answer would be. Well, that's what Moses said. But. Yeah. yeah, that's what he said. He said God commanded him. In Deuteronomy, he said, it says all the people came to him 
and said, let us send men oh, ahead to spy okay. out the land and bring back a report. Oh, okay. And the idea seemed good to me, says Moses. Right. See, okay. Yeah. And so I okay. selected 12 years. As a matter of fact, in the Deuteronomy section, it doesn't say anything about God. Yeah, so then th that's what I, see, I agree with you then. Well, we agree then, actually. <laughs> Right, to send, yeah, I know. Well, we know that that means shalak. Shalak means to send. Yeah. You were saying, you'll be pleased. No, no. What is the Hebrew word for please? I'm trying to remember what it is. Barak or something? If you please. We can't find that. It's the point. Well, okay. So. Go ahead, John. What, what, well, I'm still not... Where, where, where are we going with this? Well, I, what I wanted to find out, the, the problem, it's not a problem, the issue I wanted to discuss was, was this God's idea to send the 12 spies or was it the people's idea to send the 12 spies? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and if you look at Deuteronomy, it says, you know, Moses felt like and said, God's given you this land. Let's go take it. And the people came and said, well, I think it would be a good idea to send people out to spy out the land and see what it's like first. So the story in Deuteronomy then, doesn't quite jive with the story And then story Moses here. says, Moses said, and I commanded you yeah. to go do that. Yeah. Now, it doesn't say he didn't talk to God. So in fairness to him, I mean, I, I think God was in this. But I think that maybe I'm wrong. I'm going out on a limb here. God a lot of times indulges our... Uh, our mistakes or our, uh, I don't know, faint heart, he, he whatever. Doesn't, he doesn't want to micromanage us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if the people had said, uh, well, like we're going to read, if the people had said, well, you know, God's with us, we can do this, you know, it still might be a good idea to send out the 12 spies. But I think God, well, of course God knew what was going to happen. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, John. I think the, I think the bigger problem is when they come back. Obviously. Oh, here, here. here I mean, here. how they handled it. Yeah, yeah. They, they should have the been like problem. almost quarantined or, or yeah. What, yeah. what is it when you come back from a, a, a mission, a military mission, you're decommissioned, or not no, decommissioned. Debriefed. Debriefed. Debriefed, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, the, I do too. And, and the takeaway is you say none of this like, yeah, yeah, like, the yeah, way yeah, you, you describe it. Yeah. You are not, in fact, you're quarantined yeah. with your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any other thoughts about that? Did you have some, Esther? Well, okay. We'll get you in a minute. There we go. I was just going to say I agree that the, the most important part was when they came back with the report. But I don't think they should have gone in the first place had they trusted the Lord. And the Lord said, he yep. took care of them with the cloud by day sure. and the whole thing. And, and why would they have to go and spy it out yep. if the Lord yep. already said it was okay and it was for them? Yep. Yeah, the, the, the story in Deuteronomy, or the, the right. telling in Deuteronomy, indicates that the whole thing was because the people right. were a little bit fearful. They were right. cautious about it. Whereas God, I mean, you can, we'll get, I don't want to pre-release you know, release what we're talking about, but, you know, if you talk to uh, Joshua and Caleb, their feeling was, hey, man, he said we're going to take this. What's your problem? It's, it seems like a lot of times the, the, translator, the translators, it's kind of hard to tell if um, Yahweh is the one speaking 
That's or true. Moses is speaking for Yahweh, mm -hmm. or, or Yahweh speaking, or Moses is speaking. Yeah. But on 23, I can see where it says here, and the saying, please, please me well, where, uh, that could be what Lisa's saying. Yeah. Is it pleased them? It, yeah. It's just, a, it's just a twist on the translation. Yeah. Yeah. You can see how this could be that way. I mean, it's, it's not like one is definitely wrong, but the thing is, is I don't think... I think the way the two stories disagree is an indication that, as you say, the translators didn't know exactly what to do, and it's not real clear exactly what happened. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Do you have a question or you want to read something? No. She's off on a, uh, a mission. That's okay. Is she going to spy out the land? She's going to spy out the verses. Well, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that's an interesting point. And so I think, whatever, I, go ahead, John. What is the motivation of them? Let's say that it's like it's being described in the second version in the Deuteronomy. What is the motivation for these people to say, let's spy out the land? That's a normal thing to do when you go and invade the land? Or what is, is you, any insight on that? Well, my opinion is that it's certainly not an unreasonable thing. Right. To, to go spy out the land is, is not unreasonable. Uh, because if nothing else, they might decide, well, you know, there's, there's a bunch of mountains over here. If we were to go this way, it'd be a lot easier or something like that. Or we right. can avoid this whole group over here if we won't go that way. So spying out the land is not a, is not a bad thing to do. Oh, yeah. I think the real problem was their motivation. And their motivation for spying out the land was because they, were, they, were, uh, they weren't confident. They didn't have the faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So let's motivate it for a fight to, so that we can find a reason not to go. Uh, that's, kind of, I think kind there's of. something to that. I think there's something to that. Oh, yeah. What do you think they were, their reason for spying it out was? Well, I, th I think, you know, I think, let's see, people lie to themselves all the time. I think they may say to themselves, they may have said, the, you know, one of the ten, might have said, well, you know, any good military person would go, you know, go, go see where they're going before they actually launch the, the attack. You know, we ought to go check this out before we actually commit everything to it. And there's a perfectly logical argument for that. But I think the truth of the matter is that deep in their hearts, it was, it was a, a lack of faith. It was a lack of confidence that they were going to be able to do this or do it easily. And so they, uh, that's what, and, and it, events will show that that's exactly what it was. Because when they came back and they did what they did, we haven't read it yet, but that's basically what they said. You know, they said, we seemed like grasshoppers, and they looked at us that way too. So basically, it was all about their heart. But I was hoping we'd get there in a slower fashion, but that's okay. <laughs> it might not be. I don't know. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fair. Sure. I don't necessarily blame them. Uh, you know, it's real easy to put these guys down for being, for all the stupid things they do, but... So, <clears throat> go ahead. Uh, Yavi says, we're not going by the way of the Philistines. We're not going the easy way. Yeah. They're, they were already used to following him, but now all of a sudden, when they go into the land, they don't want to do that for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have oh, the right... Yeah. They don't well, have, they're not looking for well, a way that's okay. out. Let's read this, because it becomes real obvious what God thinks about it in a minute. <laughs> Um, let me ask another question. I thought another thing that's kind of interesting is um, the list of the people who went, the people, the spies. These are the lists of the spies. Who's the spy from the tribe of Judah? 
Caleb. 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 Now, I thought it was kind of interesting. This is maybe just a, a nit that's not very interesting, but Caleb is the son of Jephunneh. Now, if you want to know who Jephunneh is, we can go to Numbers 32. Okay? So if we go to Numbers what, 32. What verse were you looking at? For Numbers Judah? 32, 12. If I can find it. This is, um, this is talking about, this is at the end of the 40 years, and um, this is God speaking. I'll start in verse 11. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of the men, 20 years old or more, who came up out of Egypt will see the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. So whoever Jephunneh was, he was a Kenizzite. So, now then you probably say, well, so, who was a Kenizzite? So, if you turn to, you turn to Genesis chapter 15, and you ought to kind of remember, Genesis chapter 15 is the, the covenant. It's, the, it's where God does the covenant with Abraham, right? Genesis 15 and verse 19. Well, that's 18. On that, uh, Genesis 15, 18. On that day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Lehittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gerizzites, the Jebusites. There's a Kenizzite. So Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, must have been what? A convert, you mean? Yeah. He, he wasn't an Israelite. He was, I don't know how he, how he, he was part of the rabble, if you will, part of the, uh, the, the, you know, the masses that came. I don't know where exactly he came from, but he, if he's a Kenizzite, uh, then well, his ancestors were living in Canaan. But can we clarify that a little bit? Sure. His bloodline is not from, the tri from one of the, the sons of Joseph, but he's legally now... I would well, say uh, well, I think an Israelite. I, he clearly is. He clearly is. But go ahead. Do you, you have anything, Mark? So it is interesting to note that you've got Joshua, who's the Ephraimite. Yep. And the non-Hebrew man that have the good report. <laughs> and the non-Hebrew man gets the first piece of land first pick going into Canaan. Yep, yep, yep. I think that it is interesting. I mean, you know, it's a kind of a weird little track to say the Kenizzite, son of Jephunneh, Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Kenizzites being one of the tribes that was in Canaan. But the reason by, I by think blood. that's important is because we know by that, uh, what was it, the, what do we call the, the people that came out with the Israelites when they left Egypt? The mixed multitude. The riffraff? Not him, perhaps, but certainly his father or his grandfather or somebody was a part of that mixed multitude. That's my point. He's, yeah. he's of the commonwealth. He's no different than anybody else from, right. from a perspective of law. That's right. But he can't trace his bloodline to Abraham. And, and the other guy is an Ephraimite who's a half-breed Egyptian. 
Yeah, his mom is an Egyptian. <laughs> yep. Might have been, absolutely. I guess the only point I wanted to make there is that God has always accepted others into the fold, it's into the covenant. It's what you do that counts. It's what you do, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So let's see. Their, their uh, mission was to, uh, you got a list of a bunch of questions here. Starting in verse 18, I'm in Numbers 13, 18. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It says it was a season for first ripe grapes. That gives you an idea of what time of the year it was, right? So it must have been late summer when this must have happened. Okay, Lisa. Late summer, you said? That's why. Isn't that when the first ripe grapes occur? You know, it, mm -hmm. in a way, I don't agree with Moses when he said, see whether the people are strong or weak. I mean, did God say whether they're strong or weak? It doesn't matter whether they're no. strong or weak. That's true. I mean, so Moses, in a way, was like... Well, Moses is a person. Caving. Oh, well, I don't well, know. Well, not caving, yeah, yeah. but, you know, I mean, he, he God may... gave him permission. He did give him permission, because yeah. that's why he said, yeah. if, you, if you really want to go in, go in. Okay. Let's see, did you have something, Pat? From the list of things that they're supposed to look for, it doesn't look to me like any of them have to do with army strategy. It's all about the flesh and the conveniences good and point. the comforts thereof. Yep, good point, good point. Yeah, that's a very good point because um, if they really were interested in, in the, the reason I'm sure they are promoting this idea, it would be, well, they did ask about fortified towns. But that's about the only one, because the, the, you know, what kind of land is it, lots of trees, all this kind of stuff, hasn't got anything to do with, with taking it. Yep, yep, okay. Um, the instructions from God was to not take everything all at once. There's, you're not big enough to that's do that. That's a good point. That's a good point. So uh, giving Moses the benefit of the doubt, you know, let's do the, what are you say in business, the, the, the low-hanging fruit. That's let's do that say. first. Yep. The easy stuff, yeah. and then uh, as we get bigger and stronger, we'll, we'll deal with the other stuff later. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, we went on and we talked about, it says, it said, it told where they went. They went up from the desert of Zin as far as Rahab toward Lebo Hamath. And I had a map, but I can't make the projector work. But bottom line, that's way north. That's even north of where Israel exists today, okay? So it's up, there's mountains up there, Mount Hermon, and it's very, very nice up there. And so they went all the way to the very northern end of Israel, and then they turned around and came back. That's what they, that's what they did here. Um, what do you think about Ahimon, Sheshai, and Talmai, descendants of Anak? I'm in uh, verse 22. They went up through the Negev. Negev, by the way, means south. 
So it's that south part of Israel, and, and it's very deserty. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahimon, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Does anybody know who Anak was? Aha! Tanya knows. The Anakim? Were Anak part of the Nephilim? Yep, yep. That's a... Um, they were believed to have been part of the Nephilim. The Nephilim were these, uh, I don't know, in general the idea is they're, they call them a race of giants that was talked about in Genesis before Noah. Uh, the Nephilim went in and had relations to, with the daughters of men. And so I don't know what to think about all of that. I'm sure you have your opinions and I wouldn't mind hearing them, but it's, uh, they're, if nothing else, they're big guys. They're big people. They're they call it. They call it a race of giants. That might be overstating it, but uh, they're um, well. An example of a probably a descendant of the of Anak would have been Goliath. Yeah, for example. Yeah, Goliath was a big guy. Yeah, I mean he was maybe eight or nine feet tall. He was a great big guy. He was a Goliath. He was a Goliath. So I, I don't have anything useful to add there, but uh, other than the fact that uh, if there were people like this around there, it's bound to have made some sort of an impression on the spies, as, as you know, they did mention them here. Well, that is certainly the impression when they came back, yeah. the report. <laughs> it says they, um, when they reached the valley of Eshkol, um, do you know what Eshkol means in Hebrew? Lisa probably knows that. Men? Something men? Cluster. 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 They, when they reached the Valley of Eskol, uh, they got a cluster of grapes. And there's a, um, there's a little figure over there we have in the top of our little glass cabinet that shows two guys carrying this stick with this cluster of grapes. And that's exactly where that's from. Yeah. We see pictures like that of the grapes, but we notice in the portion, first time round for me, that it's also figs and pomegranates. Good point, good point. I remember one time I was kind of taken with the fact that when we were over in Israel, the Israeli Bureau of Tourism has as its logo uh, a couple of stylized guys carrying you know, a stick with a bunch of grapes on it. I thought that was kind of cute. Or so I have a question. They took one cluster of grapes. Yeah, like that one. A cluster of grapes, which, and a few pomegranates and figs, so I can carry that in one hand. But they had to put on a pole and use two men to carry it. Yeah. The idea, the idea being that, uh, that these are some grapes. You know, these are. This is a right. very fertile. I get kind the impression they were gigantic grapes because they were genetically engineered, just like the Nephilim. Oh, that could they be. They were Nephilim grapes. Just like they were Nephilim, Nephilim grapes for the Nephilim. Right, and the Nephilim did not go to the daughters of men. It was the 200 watchers which were rebelling. I don't know what the word is because angels obviously don't exist because unless they're men making a message, doing, bringing a message. So whatever these beings are that live in heaven, yeah. and maybe there's a couple dozen of them, but supposedly there was 200 of them that rebelled, yep. and they went to the women, and it wasn't just any women. 
It was the women that were the daughters of Cain because they were genetically capable of bearing successful offspring from these angels, and those offspring were the Nephilim. Okay. And because of their genetics, like the Liger, they grew, not all of them, but some of them got really big because of their genetics. I can That's believe the that. impression I get. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> the grapes are the same thing. In, before the flood, not only had the angels messed with genetics, but then human beings got into the game for a couple hundred years, and Noah preached against them, telling them, you've got to stop this. And they were crossing humans and animals. They were crossing different kinds of plants with each other. They were doing all kinds of bizarre genetic stuff, which some of that crossed the the boundary of the flood and these big really big hybrid people obviously needed a lot of calories to survive you know so they need big grapes so they yeah. needed big grapes and a lot of food and yeah. I mean obviously they had cat their cattle and their sheep and everything was genetically engineered which is why later the Israelites had to get you know yeah well I told them you've got to get rid of it all it's all corrupted that's why they had to get rid of it. That makes sense. That's the impression I get. <coughs> Excuse me. Right, it's happening again. Mm -hmm. It's starting to happen again. So. I've, I've seen, I'm sure you have too, that's uh, not a different subject, but large grapes. I mean, sometimes grapes can get this big. And I've also, I remember I grew some grapes at our house one time, and I was impressed with the fact that the clusters can get big. We're used to seeing clusters at the grocery store, but they trim those like that. But man, there's nothing, I mean, you can grow grapes that a cluster would be, you know, maybe that big around and that long, if you don't mess with it, if you just leave it. You can get big grapes. <laughs> Not that big. Well, I kind of question that story. Are you bringing in some of the book of, the book of Enoch, is it? The book of, from the book of Enoch? Okay. Um, because it seems like here it seems like this is pleasing mm -hmm. something that's 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 good about mm -hmm. the land yeah and if it was um something that was corrupted yeah corrupted yeah then i don't know that it would be that it that would be good i well there could be yeah, there true. could be other reasons than the corruption due to due to crossbreeding and all that. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a lot of good reasons for yeah. them to do that, but that's neither here nor there. I guess the rule I always have with that there's I don't know that there's anything. Uh, let's see, you got to go with the Torah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Okay? I, I would if, say the crust, cluster of grapes was they, they probably pulled out a yeah. whole plant and it was just burdened yeah. with yeah <laughs> burdened with the grapes. <laughs> Okay, 40 days. I just want to point out that the Hebrew word is not Nephilim. The Hebrew word is Anak. No, no, I, I never said it was. Oh, no, I mean that I was just saying... No, the, 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 the... Oh, Anak, uh, Anak was a descendant of. That was the idea. No problem. The thing about all of this is that there's no proof. You know, that's why I say 
you got to stick with the Torah. There's not anything wrong with what you're saying, but we can't prove it, you know, and it's, uh, it's not, it's, it's okay. It's just may or may not be true. When we finally get there and ask him, we'll know. And you can, you can be there and you can say, see, I told you. Well, okay. The genetic test came back showing that these skulls had human genetics, but also had unidentifiable genetics. So they were, they were hybrids. They were something. scientifically proven yeah. to be hybrids. Okay. Not to mention the thousands and thousands and thousands of newspaper reports from the 17, 18, and 1900s, just in North America alone, not to mention the whole rest of the world, as we spread across this land and all the mounds that were found that were filled, filled with the bones of giants. Nine, 10, 12, 18 feet tall giants. Bones, There's, you can look it up on Library of Congress. You can go and research all these newspapers from all across the country with okay. pictures, judges, policemen, reputable people, scientists, all, showing this. Now, if you don't want to believe it, that's fine, but in the Bible, I believe it says there's nothing new under the sun. That's true. All this genetic engineering is happening again. There's plenty of scientists out there saying it needs to be stopped, but I can guarantee you right now in countries around the world, there are labs where there are, there are human-animal hybrids. That's gross. And over the next 10 years, you're going to start seeing them. It's going to come out. You're going to see this going on. It'll be, that'll be a definite confirmation of the end times. So the word uh, Nephilim doesn't appear in 22, but it does appear in 33. So the word Hebrew word is Nephilim in verse 33. And it, and it does mean giant. Okay. Moving right along, yes. So to me, the moral of the story is... <clears throat> Do you believe God? Do you believe you can take these guys out or not? Yeah. yeah that's, Are you going to take your promised land that I'm going to give you or not? Yeah. That's, that's why I want, let's get back to that. Let's get back to the story at hand here. Yep. Um, anyway, moving right along, would somebody like to read from verse 26 to the end of the chapter? Okay. Who are you reading? You should read from the authorized version. I'm not saying that. Excuse me, get out of here. Okay. <laughs> they returned spying out the land at the end of 40 days. I'm starting at 25 just because that's where the, that's they, they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and the entire assembly of the children of Israel at, to the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought back the report to them and the entire, and the entire assembly. They showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to him and said, We arrived at the land to which you sent us, and indeed it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But the people that dwells in the land is powerful. The cities are fortified and very great. And we saw there the offspring of the giant, Amalek, Amalek dwells in the area of the, of the south. The Hittite, the Yebusite, and the Amorite dwell on the mountain, and the Canaanite dwells by the sea 
on the bank of the Jordan. Caleb silenced the people toward, toward Moses and said, we shall surely ascend and conquer it, for we can surely do it. But the men who had ascended with him said, we cannot ascend to that people, for it is too strong for us. They brought us forth to the children of Israel an evil report on the land that they spied out, saying, the land through which we have passed to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people that we saw were huge. Then they, there they saw the Nephilim, the sons of the giant from among the Nephilim. They, we were like grasshoppers in, in our eyes. They, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes. And so we were in their eyes. Okay. So that's the, the nub of the problem right there, right? Is they, they're scared. <coughs> they're scared. They looked at that and they said, my gosh, these guys are bigger than trucks. <laughs> How are we going to deal with this, right? But they so, else. Beg your pardon? They else. Yeah, well, yeah, they passed it along. If you ask me, this is a great example of Lashon Haram. Right, <laughs> because it's, uh, it's influencing people with negative comments. John. So, <clears throat> truth is established by two or three. And I know... Um, hold on. Giant hair is attacking me. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, Joshua is not mentioned in this. There's only one witness. In this, so in far. This, in this particular passage, it's just Caleb. Right. Okay. So, if, if, and I don't know, where, you know, where's Joshua? Maybe he shows up, he shows up later, but mm-hmm. it's just, it looks right now, it's just Caleb trying to make yeah. the defense. That's, that's, that's an interesting observation, because you might, again, this total um, assumption, but you might argue that if Joshua were there and spoke up as well, it might have been a little different result, but Joshua couldn't stand up to the other ten by himself. Or Caleb couldn't. Well, this is my opinion. Okay. But, which is a lot. Okay. But the Joshua actually has a much different role because he was always going right into the temple with Moses. He yeah. was always into yeah. everything. So really, he's a picture of Yeshua to yeah. begin with. Well, he's even got the same name, right? Yeah, he even yeah. has the same name, and he's, yeah. he's always... Joshua's a great character. Where did we first meet Joshua? Do you remember? Well, when he suddenly appears and fights the battle, didn't he fight the thing about against Amalek? Yeah. Where, where next did we see him? I forget. He went with he went with Moses up on Mount yeah, Sinai. Yeah, he went with he, Moses up there. And he stayed there. halfway. He yeah. didn't get to go all the way, but he stayed halfway the whole time that Moses yeah, was up stays, there. Yeah, he stays. He goes to Moses in the mm-hmm. tabernacle and everything. Yeah, well, you could you could probably say that Joshua was kind of a fanatic. Yeah, he's. But he, and he was completely dedicated to Moses. You're right. Much different kind of a guy than the other 11. John. Did your verse say in 32 an evil report? Verse 32. <laughs> they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. Mine says bad. Evil and bad are probably similar. They're the same Hebrew word, I'll bet. Well, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Ra. Ra? Okay. But the point is, it wasn't a, you know, 
It's Lashon Hara. He's they're yeah. they're saying we can't. It's this is it's. Yeah. They're saying they can't take the land. Yeah. There's no way they can do it. Well, even though we have the, that, even though we have the creator of the universe on our side. Well, not only is he on our side, he said they do it, right? So it's not just kind of lack of faith. It's not even believing, you know, because he said, "We can take you'll. I'll give it to you. You can take it." Right. And they said, "No, man, this is too hard." <laughs> okay, uh, what over this? I won't guess. I have too much else there. You want to read on? Chap beg your pardon? Chapter 10. Very good. Chapter 14. Um, I think it'd be good to read the first 12 verses of chapter 14. Anybody want to volunteer to do that? Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel grumbled against Moshe and against Aaron. And all the congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Mitzrayim, or if only we had died in this wilderness. And why is Yahuwah bringing us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become a prey? Would it not be better for us to turn back to Mitzrayim? And they said to each other, let us appoint a leader, and let us turn back to Mitzrayim. Then Moshe and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Yehoshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their garments. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If Yahuwah has delighted in us, that he shall bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which is flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against Yahuwah, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their defense has turned away from them, and Yahuwah is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to the stone, or said to stone them with stones. Then the steam of Yahuwah appeared in the tent of appointment before all the children of Israel. And Yahuwah said to Moshe, How long shall I be scorned by these people? And how long should I not be trusted by them with all the signs which I have done in their midst? One more verse. Let me smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. This is very dramatic. <laughs> I like this. This, this is good stuff, right? Um, so first of all, what complaints did the people express in verses 1 through 4? Oh man, if only we'd stayed in Egypt. Yeah, let's go back. You know, let's, it'd be better to die in Egypt than to come out and have our uh, kids weren't there die in the desert. And weren't there always. graves in Egypt? Don't they say that somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they say that somewhere else. So what it says? Why is Yahweh bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? They're prophetic, <laughs> though. Well, they are. But I guess the thing is, is, I mean, it's hard not to find fault with them at this point because they've, look at what they've witnessed, you know? And it wouldn't take a really smart person to say, now, why would God bring us through all this stuff and, you know, and 
part the Red Sea and all the things that he did just to bring us out here to have us defeated by these guys. You know, why would he do that? That makes no sense from any perspective. But they didn't do that. They were clearly consumed by fear. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, that could be. That could just be, you know. But, you know, they say they go build us a new leader, make a new leader for us. Well, they did that with the, with the golden calf. How did that turn out? Yeah. <laughs> you yep. know? It's yep. like, I, I almost want to believe that they really don't believe this, but they want to pout and whine so loud and so hard that they hope God will just do it for them and everything will be okay. Uh, there's, that's a thought. That's a thought. If we whine, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a thought. Because they just, they, at least, so you, if, they they're not, so if they're not afraid, they're lazy. They're, they're <laughs> lazy and they're, well, they're, what does a whiny child do? He wants, instead of doing the right thing, he wants to whine about he it. Just, he's hoping yeah. the parents would just yeah. give yeah. in and do it yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something to that, for sure. So, they don't deserve anything in their behalf. On the other hand, there's times when I've thought, you know, I started to have the thought, and I was, when Dave and I were watching, I was, Dave's jumping out the rebounder, and we were watching all this stuff on prophecy, you know, and I go, I almost started to say, oh, why were you born at this time? But then God stopped me and said, don't ever say that. Yeah. You know, and I thought, so, I mean, we can do it, too. We can oh, sure get, we can. Like nervous, and you know, start to say something that God, God said, "No, I brought you here for this time." Yeah, yeah, you know. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Pat's got something. As John said earlier, the important thing is what we do. I'm impressed with the fact that when Joshua and Caleb heard the report from the other people, they didn't say, no, come on, guys. It's no big deal. They didn't. They tore their clothes. Yeah. And they didn't buy all of them at Goodwill at 50 cents a piece like I do. So <laughs> they yep. didn't have a lot. Yeah. It was a lot to tear a garment in those days. Oh, there yeah. weren't many to well, replace them. And they... They did that in anguish because they knew what they were doing was wrong, right? And you know how those things get to snowballing. And that's exactly what happened is it began to snowball, especially when you get there, the whole assembly talked about stoning them, right? That's, that's yeah, that's mob mentality is what that is. Uh, but both, this, this passage, both Joshua and Caleb, you know, plead with them and saying, it's, it's great land, and we can do this. They said, you know, why are, why are you acting this way? We can do this. It says, if Yahweh is pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. And they pointed it right out. They said, only do not rebel against Yahweh. Who, who are you going to fear? Yeah, who are you going to fear? Exactly. It's a binary choice. Now then, so God, what's God? God he's sitting up there kind of, you know, tisking a little bit. And he, he goes to uh, the guy he goes to all the time in these situations, Moses. And what does he say? And he says, how long will these people treat me with contempt? So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't say how long will these people be chicken livered. No, he says, they're treating me with 
contempt. And how, how is that treating him with contempt? What are they doing that makes it contemptuous? Well, it's like treason, isn't it? I mean, he's... But treason's not bad. I mean, go ahead, Tanya. Say what? Well, if they're picking up, I mean, maybe I misunderstood that, but they were picking up stones to stone them, uh -huh. right? Yep. Well, you're going to do that against yeah. the man that Yah chose? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty stupid if he's the one that's got your back. Well, yeah, there's that. I guess the contemptuous part to me was God said, I'm going to do this. And they're basically saying, we don't believe you. That's contempt. You know, when someone tells you something, especially something I'm going to do, and you say, I don't believe that. that. That's contemptuous. You know, Moses was sort of upset with the people too many times. And when God told them that I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of you a greater nation and yes. mightier than they. Yep. I'm sometimes wondering with Moses wouldn't go, well, sounds good to me. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, as a matter of fact, this has happened before. Do you remember when it's happened before? When? Yep, I think it was when they made the golden calf. Um, and God basically, he goes to Moses and he says to Moses, he says, these guys are hopeless. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. These guys are hopeless. Stand over here and I'll destroy them and I'll start over with you. That's what he says, right? And what does Moses say? He says the same thing he says here. We haven't read it yet, but why? I think Moses' argument with God is perfect. Um, because he said, then you'll look, you'll, the people will say how weak you are, or that you just couldn't abide this people, and that you said that they were your people, mm -hmm. and then you just can't abide them. But, you know, the thing that I, that this is a Lisaism, but I think that, that Moses also knew the covenant. He knew that God's promise was to, the descendants of Abraham. So he had more faith. Right. He knew that God was going to yeah. bring him out. Well, um, did you want this? That's. I think uh, the better part of the argument was, and then, maybe I should wait till we read it. Polly. Maybe this is kind of along those lines, but if I always look back to the very first part of thirteen. It clearly states that I am giving this land to the Israelites. Mm -hmm. So I often think about the evil speech it also means to bring down the character of someone. Mm -hmm. And I've always looked at it that they actually, it says that they brought a bad report about the land that they had explored, but actually the bad report goes even beyond that because they brought the character of the Almighty down because yep. they are doubting that he's going to give them this land. Yeah. They are not wondering how, how this, this isn't good. We yep. can't do this. Yep. And he already they, said he was going to. They could either be doubting that he's going to, or worse, that he can. And either in either case, that's contemptuous. Yep. Yeah. So I, I got, uh, I noticed that word, and Dave brought it up too, disinherent. Mm -hmm. I, will, I, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. <laughs> yep. So it's it's almost, to what I look at this as almost like a bill of divorce. Yeah, oh yeah. What happens, to, what happens to them is what happens to the house of Israel, the bill of divorce. They're, they're being disinherited, disinherited with their inheritance. Yeah. 
and there being illegal illegal termination of oblig any obligations that that I may have had yep, towards it, you. Yeah, yeah, it would be that. But okay, let, let's read let's read what Moses says to God. Um, just the next, I'll read it from verse thirteen to verse nineteen. Moses said to Yahweh. Then, this is after God says to Moses, you know, I'll wipe them out and start all over with you. Moses said to Yahweh, then the Egyptians will hear about it, and by your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, O Yahweh, are with these people, and that you, O Yahweh, have been seen face to face that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, Yahweh was not able to bring these people out of the land he promised them on oath. And so he slaughtered them in the desert. Now may Yahweh's strength be displayed just as you have declared. Yahweh is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. So Moses is quite eloquent there, trying to tell God, you know, first of all, like I say, what's the essence of his argument about why this is not a good idea to wipe out all the people? He says... He says, it's not so much me, God, you know. Uh, but what are all the neighbors going to say? You know, they're going to look at this and they're going to, because they know, you know, they know what's going on here. They know that you have said that you'd bring your people out and that you're going to give them this land. And if you bring them out to the desert and wipe them all out, what are they to think? What's going to happen to your name? Yeah. In their, in their eyes. Yeah. What an argument. I think it's... it's no, I, you're, you're right. It's, it's and I also... Go ahead. Well, he, he, he quotes the Exodus chapter 20. Yep. You know, the sins the, to the third and the fourth generation. Well, he says, uh, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving and sin and rebellion. You know what that, that you know where those words were spoken? You're when right. God, when God went before him and showed his name. Exactly. You know, we sing. You know that we sing those words mm -hmm. that they yep. said to him. Yep. He's uh, when what she's talking about is in Exodus when Moses asked God, "Show me your glory," and God says, "Well, essentially, stand over here in this rock, in this cleft in the rock, and I'll pass by. I'll put my hand over it because you can't see me. But then, as I pass it by, I'll take my hand off, and you can see the back of me. And uh, and then as he walked by." God used these words to describe himself. He used these words to describe himself. And it's always good when you can use God's words back to him. Well, <laughs> Which I, is what Moses did, right? I'm not disagreeing with that, but I was, I was thinking more of Exodus 20, okay. verses 5, where he's the Ten Commandments, and he says yeah, that, he says I, I will bless them to a thousand generations, but I will curse those who curse... No, well, but it, I, it, those who are disobedient or whatever the right. word he used I will curse them to the, th to the third and the fourth Guilty. generation. Right, yeah, to the third and the fourth generation. Okay. So it's, it's good that uh, he's... Well, but isn't that actually what happens, though? Maybe not to the third or fourth generation, but 
the sins of these, the evil generation, are being passed on to the next generation in the sense that they have to wait for 40 years before they leave. I'm reading ahead, obviously, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. but that's what the judgment is. They have to sit in a whole generation mm -hmm. before they die out. Yep, yep. Well, in a minute here, we'll get to the part where I think God's always real good about this. He says, okay, like he did with the quail. He says, okay, you're griping because you don't have enough meat. I'll give you meat. I'll give you meat not for one day, not for three days, not for a week. You'll have it for a whole month till it's coming out of your nose and you'll hate it. It's what you want. I'll do it. So he's going to do the same thing for him here. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Anything else I want to talk about there? Well, he, after Moses goes to God and says, this is not a good idea because you'll lose your reputation if you do it. And then he begs for God to forgive them. Um, in verse 20. Does somebody want to read from oh, verse 20 down to verse 35? Adonai answered, I have forgiven them just as you have spoken, but as certainly as I live and as certainly as the glory of Adonai fills the entire earth, none of the people who saw my glory and my miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet tested me these ten times and did not obey my voice. Not one of them will see the land I promised to their forefathers. None of those who treated me with contempt will see it. However, my servant Caleb, because a different spirit is with him and he is wholeheartedly behind me. I will bring him into the land where, where he went. His offspring will inherit it. Now since the Amalekites and Canaanites are inhabiting the valley, turn back tomorrow and set out by the wilderness route toward the Sea of Reeds. Adonai then said to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long will this wicked community be grumbling against me. I have heard the complaints of Benai Israel grumbling against me. So tell them, as surely as I live, says Adonai, I will do to you just as I heard you say in my ears. In this very wilderness, your bodies will drop, every one of you, 20 years of age and older who was numbered in the census and grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter, that, will enter the land about which I lifted my hand to make home for you, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Josiah, son of Nun. As for your children, whom you said would be like plunder, <clears throat> I will bring them 
in and they will experience the land that you spurned, but your bodies will drop in this wilderness. Your children will be herdsmen in the wilderness for 40 years. They will suffer because of your unfairfulness, unfaithfulness, until your corpses are consumed in the wilderness. For 40 years, corresponding to the number of the 40 days, you explored the land, one year for each day. You will suffer for your iniquities and no more hostility. I, Adonai, have spoken. And certainly will I do this to all this wicked community banding together against me. In this wilderness, they will meet together. Their end and there they will die. Okay, thanks. So if you remember back over here at the beginning of chapter 14 when the people are getting all excited about the bad report, they said, and I'm in verse 2, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is Yahweh bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? So he says, okay, that's, that's, if that's what you want, fine. You can die here in the desert. <laughs> so and this is not the first time he does stuff like that. He says, yeah. Be okay. careful what your prophet for, yeah, prophet says. Yeah. Well, be careful your words for sure. Right. Yeah. He says, we're going to have to answer for every idle word. So, I have a question. Sure. So we just got through reading about last week, 70 who got the spirit brought on them. Mm -hmm. where, are they, where are these guys? That's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. And I have another theory, or someone, somebody else, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. But he, did, he believes that... <clears throat> He's talking about the 12 tribes, not the Levites. The Levites aren't in this judgment. And the, the, they were numbered, because he says he's talking about to those who, that I numbered. He numbers the, the Levites, but not in the same way. No, no, well, they're not the ones that were counted as the, as the census for the army, if you will. Yeah, you're right. That's right. a good point. So That's a good point. They can't be, they technically can't be disinherited because they don't really have an inheritance, or at least not like well, the God's other ones do. God's their inheritance, as he said. What's that? God is their inheritance. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. I've always felt in my heart, and I don't have any proof of this, that most of this was the mixed multitudes. You know, again, there's no reason to support this at all, but uh, I figure if... You know, the Israelites probably were a little more well-versed in God and his ways. The mixed multitude, not so much. And they're out there, and this is an example of how, you know, let's see, the phrase would be, one rotten apple can spoil the whole barrel. You know, a few of these guys can turn everything. You know, but, if you have a few of these people that are uh, fearful or lack of faith, they can, they can, they can, you know, the mob mentality, they can move the whole thing. And but the rest of the people need on. to deal with those guys. Yeah. The, yeah. You can't let them get away with stuff like that. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because actually they were Israelites because the, they were from the tribes, the people that went out to spy. I mean, I'm just talking about the people that went out well, to spy. Well, one of them wasn't, right? Well, Caleb wasn't. Well, yeah, but Caleb, obviously, he was adopted into the... Yeah, but the, the, theoretically, all the mixed multitude would have been eventually done that if, if they'd been at the right hearts, if you will. I don't want to go too far with I that because I'm making we do, it up Because anyway. we just make, you know, sometimes we have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, boy. I never have any. Um, let's see. What else can we talk about before we go on here? I guess that's about all. They, God did forgive them, but they still had to pay the consequences for their sin, which is what it was. And so that's another thing that we often have to remember, you know. Sometimes... Sometimes when you're going through something that's pretty unpleasant, you have to ask yourself, you know, is this the consequence of something that I've done that was wrong? Or is this, you know, just you testing me to, to improve my character? And sometimes the answer can be yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly them. right. And they didn't ask for nope, forgiveness. Nope. That's for a themselves. good point. That's a very good but point. They did not ask them. for forgiveness. Uh, it says Moses said, "Please forgive them," and God said, "Okay, I'll do it." Right. Yeah. They didn't That's ask a very them. good point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, probably. Do you have a list of the ten things that they tested God with? No, but you know. We, that would probably be a fun exercise. I mean, we can certainly come up with a couple of them. I mean, one of them would be the, uh, you know, we're, we're sick and tired because we don't have meat. I mean, but there's other ones. There was, um, there was one, of the, you know, one of the places where they stopped on the way to Mount Sinai. They named testing or something because quarreling or whatever because they named a lot of places because they were, they were testing God. So it would be fun to go back through there. Do you have them? Monty Judah gave a list one time, uh -huh. and he may be uh, questioned, but I'll read them to you. Sure, that's fine. Will the Lord save us? That came from Exodus 4, 10, and 12. Will the Lord provide water? Will he provide food? Will the Lord be present with us? Yep, I remember that Is one. Is the Lord the one true God? Will we reject the bread of heaven? Will we reject the Holy Spirit? Will we accept God's salvation? Will we accept the anointed? And will we um, accept the kingdom of heaven? That's pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because he says these ten times. Did they have uh, verses for him? Okay. That's what I don't like about Almighty Judy. He doesn't, he doesn't do the verses. You've got to go no, look him up yourself. Maybe that's why he wants to do it that way. <laughs> okay, so we've got these guys. They've, well, they've, well, let's read on. Um, does somebody want to read from verse 36 to the end of the chapter? I will. Nobody else raised their hand, right? Oh, no. Well, Alfonso, you've read twice, haven't you? It's my turn. Okay, I like to read. Starting in verse 36. 
So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it, these men responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. When Moses reported this to, the, to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning they went up toward the hill, high hill country. We have sinned, they said. We will go up to the place that Yahweh promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying Yahweh's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because Yahweh is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from Yahweh, he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country though neither Moses nor the Ark of Yahweh's Covenant moved from the camp. And then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that area, that hill country, came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. So this is, this is, this is the proverbial, a day late and a dollar short. Right? Now you believe him. Now you want to believe <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, right. You've already, you've already done the deed. You know, and as you pointed out, they didn't ask for forgiveness. Uh, but what happened? The, the ten spies that, that gave the bad report all got a horrible case of plague and died, right? And then the others all said, oh, man, this must be a serious deal. Mulligan, right? we want a mulligan. <laughs> Do you know what that reminds me of when, when um, Esau, he, when he decided because, you know, he realized that they didn't like his wives, you know, they, that his mom didn't like his wives. So then he goes and marries another one that's just as, just as off, yeah. you know. I mean, it's like, you're right. that's, you a, that's a similarity. we can't cover up our, we can't, if we would only tell ourselves this, we cannot correct what we've done wrong. We can only repent and ask forgiveness. Yeah. There's no other way. Yeah. So these guys said to themselves, okay, now, that we, now that we've seen these 10 spies die, we're really sorry. <laughs> right? And, and um, we're going to show our sorrow by disobeying you and leaving. No, and no, now we'll go. Your... We'll go now. We see you're serious. We'll go. We'll well, that's go. what I'm saying. They're, yeah. they're disobeying again. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And, and Moses tells them. Yeah, he says, don't do this. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. Tanya? But this just makes me stop and think, okay, so how many times have I or we done the same stupid thing? Oh, yeah. You didn't listen necessarily to what he was telling you. Yeah. And you got yourself in a pickle. Yeah. And you're paying, uh, you're paying the consequences. And then you say, okay, I'll do it now. And it is too late. Yeah, I've, I've done that. I've done that. Yeah. None of his word is void. So I'm going to go back to those 10 things. Those are things that we will all be likely to go through again and again and again through life, but even worse if we go through the tribulation. So if we know what those 10 are, we might be better forewarned before armed. Forearmed is better before. Yep. That's a good point. Well, if we look back at what the, what the problem was, not just with the ten spies, but with the people. 
was even though they had every reason to believe what God said, they were fearful. You know, they, they couldn't carry it through. And they, they acted on it. And they acted on it in a very decisive fashion. I mean, even to the point of getting ready to stone Moses and uh, Joshua and Caleb. So they were, <laughs> God was correct. I mean, in saying, you know, how long should I put up with these people? <laughs> Any, anything else, anybody? What do you say, Alfonso? You haven't said anything. What do you think about all this stuff? They had disobedient Israelites, yeah. Yeah. I have a thought. Yeah. So I doesn't when it, retelling this in Deuteronomy, I'm not sure if exactly about this particular piece, but it says, and their, their shoes and their shirts, they never wore out. Yeah. They were there for 40 years, and it never, wasn't that a miracle? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so I'm in prison for 40 years until I die, and the good news, but the good news is, I only had to buy one pair of shoes. <laughs> Right? <laughs> That's funny, John. Yeah. I mean, some people look at that and they go, wow, what a miraculous God. He, he, had, he gave them the footwear for, for, their, for the, you know, yeah. the whole time they were there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think you're missing the big picture. Huh? They didn't have a pay list. They, they had to. Yeah. yeah. Those prison, prison shoes were really great. Yeah. So God's punishment was they had to spend 40 years. Now, we're going to find out one of the fun things to do is... Uh, at the, toward the end of the book of Numbers, there's, uh, I guess, AAA calls it a triptych, a listing of all the places that they went and where they stopped, and we can go through all the places there. It turns out that, yes, they spent 40 years in the wilderness, but they didn't just do this for 40 years. They, they, they went to a lot of different places, but they spent the vast majority of their time at one place. So. But nonetheless, 40 years is a long time. Certainly, hanging around waiting for your <laughs> for your parents to die or whatever. <laughs> that can't be good, you know. So this is a great story, the story of the ten spies. There's lots that we can learn from it, and it's a lot, lot of fun to go think about. I think we're close enough to being done. I, I'd be, if anybody has any comments, it's a good time. Yep. 20-year-olds would be 60 years old. If they were if they were just starting, you know, if they were just turned 20 and they were involved with this, or even if they weren't, they, they were going to have to stay 40 years. And, and it says none of them got to go. Yeah, so how did they know that their carcasses were really going to drop if they were only 60 years old? I mean, that's pretty trivial. Well, actually, that would be kind of convenient if you knew that. You know, I mean, you know, the 20-year-olds would... The, yeah, I'm going to die at 60, evidently, because I can do the math. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But. So what a great witness those that went in that survived and they're old enough to know what was going on, right? When, yeah. they're, when, when it's time to get people to start and get squirrely and, and start to talk bad about God, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I spent 40 years over there yeah. waiting yeah. for my parents to die yeah. because yeah. of way, that kind of attitude. Yep. Right? That, Isn't that a great witness when yeah, you go yeah, into the land? That is. That's a, I was also sitting here thinking, if you were 18 or 19 and this happened, right, then you would have gone, whew, just barely made that one, and you'll be, you'll be 59, right, whenever you get to go in. So uh, not all, there will still be some that cross the Jordan into the promised land 
who also witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. But most of them won't, right? Most of those that witnessed the parting of the Red Sea won't. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah, that would be the lesson. Because there, was, uh, because there was a lot of, obviously, children after the, from this point forward to the, when they leave. No, no, all I was saying was, if you were 19 when this happened, then uh, you, would not you would be allowed to go into the promised land because you weren't counted as, right. okay. So if you were 19, then it was only a year and a half ago that you came out of Egypt. Right. And you were old enough to know what was going on. Absolutely. So you could tell people about, I was there. You know, I know what this looked like. This was really cool. I know. I'm a witness. Yeah, I'm a witness. So, so they didn't, so if you get raptured, you can't be a witness. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? If you get raptured to the land? From, no, from, that's not exactly what I was saying. Oh, okay. I was I'm just, I was sitting it. here just kind of going through in my own head, figuring out that they're, they're uh, my first thought was, I guess nobody that goes into the promised land will be able to say, I actually experienced the parting of the Red Sea, but that's not true. There are some that will. There are some that will. Yeah, yeah that's all I was saying. Plus your comment about the Levites counts. Yes. Just for fun, I just looked up on uh, Guinea's World Book of Records. What do you think the world record is for the largest cluster of grapes? Oh, that ought to be interesting. I can what? see why they had to use a pole. Yeah. 21 pounds. 21 pounds. That's the, that's the world record. That's cool. That's very cool. Where was the grapes? Do you know? Chile. Okay. Good. Was that A.D. or B.C.? I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Torah. Thank you for these stories. Thank you for what we can learn from them. Thank you for your patience with us. Help us to not repeat the mistakes of our forefathers. Um, Father God, you've just... You've shown great patience with, uh, with your people. And thank you that you count us as, as your people as well. Keep us safe until we meet next week. In Yahushua's name, amen.